Good singing this morning. Y'all are doing a great job worshiping today, and I hope you're excited about being here this morning. I'm certainly excited about preaching to you this morning. I, I tell you, I, I'll just, um, I'll be honest with you. This message today and over the next few weeks are born out of, an o, of my own search for joy. Uh, man, one of the things I struggle with a lot of times is having joy. Anybody ever have that problem? I, I do. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, and, and as I was preparing for this message this week, um, man, there are just several mornings God got me up early and, and just began to, to just deal with me about the moments in my life when I don't have joy. And you know, it's a sin not to have joy, especially for those of us who are Christ followers because there's no reason not to. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this whole issue of joy. And much of it's born out of my own challenges with it, and, and I want to just, um, I just, I just want to be transparent with you today. It is a battle for my life to be joyful. And uh, I, I really have to set aside a lot of time in my life to really focus on this issue for me. My wife is one of these people, I, I, think, I find her naturally joyful. She just, she's just a happy heart. And she's always challenging me. Where's your joy, dude? Well, she didn't call me dude. I mean, she, she usually says something a little, I, I can't say. But uh, um, no, she, she doesn't say anything too, too crazy. And... Uh, and it's always a challenge to me. And so this morning, I, I just want to talk to you about joy, where it starts, what causes us not to have it, and, 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 and where do we go to get it? And the battle for it every day. Because it is a battle, because one of the greatest tools the enemy has is, is joyless Christians. People who claim to know Jesus Christ and who live in this world and, and they say they're Christ followers, but they just look like they and act like they don't have any joy, and that's a sin. Jesus said these words in John 15, 11. He said this, I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. My joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You see, when you have the joy of the Lord in you, it'll overflow. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. And so this morning, as we look at this whole passage today from Luke chapter 1, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and turn in your Bible to, to Luke chapter 1. You see, Jesus came to give you joy in him. Joy will not be found in anything else other than Jesus Christ. You will buy a lot of Christmas presents, or, or you will buy some Christmas presents. And on December 25th or 24th, whenever y'all open those things up, or... Uh, whatever that is for you, uh, you're going you're gonna to get that stuff and you're going, oh, cool, look at this sweater. If it was me at my grandmother's house, it would be five years in a row, oh, cool, look at these socks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, whoop-dee, <laughs> you know. Mom. You see... You can find happiness in the things of this world, but it's temporary. 
Your iPad's going to get old and tear up. Your iPhone is, is going to be replaced by the iPhone 10. And guess what? Next year, there's going to be an iPhone what? 11. It's going to make you think that the one you've got now stinks, right? It's all designed to make you need more, want more. But that's not where joy comes from. And I want us to take a look at today how we can lose our joy and how we can restore our joy. And in the, in the setting of this story today, we're going to read from Zechariah and Elizabeth. The people of God had not heard from him for 400 years. They were under Roman occupation. They were most, most, and, and you need to hear this. It was rare that you had money then. Rare. 99.9% .9 of the people were constantly scraping by every day to make a living. There were landowners who owned a lot. They had a lot. But there were people who were mostly slaves, who were mostly carpenters, as in Jesus' story indicates. People who were, were, were vineyard growers, vine workers, and people just were eking out a living. It was desperate times. The Roman Empire was very cruel, charged a lot of taxes. Oh, I'm not talking about our current world today. I'm talking about back then. And, and, the, and the Roman occupation was, was, had been going on for hundreds of years. And most of the people were starving, poor, and struggling to make a living. And joy was in short supply. And I want to ask you this morning, just as was reminded of them in the, that day, what are you expecting this Christmas? What are you expecting this Christmas, this holiday season, these next four weeks? You see, Christmas can either be a joyous time of year or it can be a hectic, money-sucking, joy-robbing, frustrating, aggravating, depressing time. Right? You get your choice. And if you're in retail, forget it. Tracy over there, she's in retail. Uh, Tracy Timmons, at, at, uh, you work at uh, bed, uh, Bath and Body Works. No, no, Bed Bath and Beyond. I get those two mixed up all the time. And she's in there trying to help you buy some stuff for that, for that wife of yours. So you be nice to her. You hear me? And, and you know, if, if you're in this time of year, you get a choice of how you respond to this time of year. Well, one day, things changed. One day, things changed. And you know what I'm hoping for you today? Is that today is that day for you as well. And, and maybe you're a Christ follower, you gave your life, you, you know Jesus, but boy, I tell you what, life can suck the joy of your faith out of you. So today we're going to look at this story of how we can, how we get our joy taken and how we can have it restored. Starting in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Luke, if you have your Bibles opened, I hope you do. Bring your Bibles with you. Turn on your Bibles. This is what it says. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, 
and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Elijah and uh, Zechariah and, and Ezekiel, uh, well, you can see where I've been reading the last few weeks. Uh, Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving, in, serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lots to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right, to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John, and you will have great joy and, God and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the father to their children. And they will cause and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? This will happen. I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be filled, be fulfilled as the, at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. And when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home soon afterwards. His wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of not of having no children. Would you pray with me? So Lord, we pray today that you would give us your joy. I pray that you would take this broken vessel that you've given the responsibility to speak this morning and use him to teach your profound, life-changing truth. Lord, I need your power and your wisdom to do that. I need your presence. And Lord, I pray you would move among us today, that you would change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives. And it's in your name we pray today, Jesus. Amen. What's keeping you from being joyful today? Well, Zechariah gives us a great example to look at as to why we lose our joy. And one of the things that, that caused Zechariah to lose his joy was his religious ritual. 
Look what he said there in verses 8 and 9. He said, on the day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, was the custom of the priest. He was chosen by lots to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. You see, that's part of Zechariah's priestly duty. Him and, and, the, and his family, the, in the Jewish uh, customs, the, the, uh, the priesthood, the priesthood of, of, of Israel was, was designated to be... Uh, uh, the ones who go before God on their behalf, on the people's behalf. And so it was, it was his week to go. And so while he was gone that week, they would, uh, they, they would cast these, these lots every day to see who would go into the sanctuary of the temple. And if you remember, the, in the sanctuary was the sanctuary, the, 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 the Holy of Holies was in there, the Ark of the Covenant, and the altar was in there. And so they would burn these incense just to, to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people, to, to offer these incense just, to, just as their act of worship. And so as Zechariah was, was, uh, was in the temple that day, he, uh, he you know, was, was just there because it was his turn. It was his turn. So Zechariah is, is going to do his, his ritual, he's going to do his duty, and, and never mind the fact that, that he was walking into the presence of God. You see, it was, it was interesting, you, you, we read earlier that, that the people were gathered outside waiting on him. You want to know why people were, were gathered outside waiting on him? Sometimes they would, they would tie a rope to the priest as he would walk into the temple. And as he would go in to offer the sacrifices and offer the incense, he, they, would, they would tie a rope on him and they would put bells on him. And not like sleigh bells. I mean, they, just, they, were, they were like bells. Because if a priest were to walk into the presence of God in an unworthy way, if he was unclean of any, of any past sin, and if he had not taken care of his, his spiritual condition, he would be killed. Because in the presence of God, there can be no sin. And in those days, God's presence resided, resided, there you go, resided in the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now, God was not limited to there, but that's where his presence was. And so when they walked into there, they had to make sure that they were ready. And so Zechariah was, was all concerned about everything he had to do. He was all concerned about, did I do this right? Do I do this right? He wasn't really remembering that he was walking into the presence of God. And one of the greatest challenges to our joy is that we forget that we're in the presence of God. Just as Zechariah walked into to this temple, some of you walked in here this morning and, and, and you we're focused on what was going on. Was your coffee good? Nothing wrong with having coffee. Uh, your mind was maybe not necessarily that you're walking into worship this morning and you're going to be in the presence of God. You know, uh, and, and this is, everybody in here does this, okay? So I'm not picking on anybody. But one of the things we try to do is get you in here right at 10, right? Everybody's like, come on, get in there. Why? Don't you want to be in the presence of God? You say, is God here? Absolutely. The scripture says where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with them. You see, he was so focused on, on getting in and getting out without never having a thought about the fact that he might encounter the presence of God. And I want to ask you this morning, 
Does that describe you today? When you got up this morning, did, you, did it ever occur to you that you were about to go into the presence of God this morning? Or did you just say, I got to go to church? I got to be at church. I got to go to worship. One of the greatest things that causes us to lose our joy is a ritualistic religion that has no idea or no concern about being in the presence of God. You see, God has called us to be in relationship and in his presence. And when you're in the presence of God, he brings joy. But Zechariah missed it. Zechariah missed it. You see, the presence of God is here. And if you're coming this morning out of ritual, you might miss joy. Another thing that, that can really keep us from experiencing joy is what it, Zechariah also experienced. He had no expectations. He had no expectations. Look at verses 11 and 12. You see, while Zechariah was in his sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him stand, uh, standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. You see, Zechariah had no thought that he might actually receive a word from God when he went to worship that day. Think about that for a minute. He was just going to do his thing and to get it out of the way. In and out. Got to go to church, get it done, and I'm out. He had no thought that he would hear a word from God that day. He had no expectation that, that God might have a message for him. Did you come today with no expectations? That's a, that's a legitimate question to ask you. Did you come today with no expectations? Thinking, I'm going to see my friends. I'm going to go hang out a little bit, have some coffee hear some music, hear the preaching, and then we're going to go. We're going to go eat lunch. Did you come today expecting to hear from God, to hear a message from you, from God? You see, my prayer every week is, is when we come to worship, when you come to worship, is that you hear from God through his music that we're singing, through the prayers that are prayed, and through the message that's preached. And so when you got up this morning, did you do it out of ritual? And did, you come ex and did you come not expecting to hear from God? Because if you came this morning not expecting to hear from God, then you probably will get your wish. You see, God expects us to hear from him. God expects us to come wanting to hear what he wants to say to us. This morning, God has a word for you. I don't know what that word is. You know, many times people will come to me after the church and go, Pastor, man, you really spoke to my heart. This is what was going on, and this is what you said. And I was like, I don't know. I don't remember that. You see, the Holy Spirit is at work right now in your heart and in your life, and he is wanting to do a work in you, and he is wanting to say something to you. But let me ask you a question. Are you willing, are you ready to hear a word from him today. Zechariah wasn't. You see, Zechariah didn't expect what he got and what he did get. And what was that? What did Zechariah get? He got some instruction. 
You see, when we go to worship, we need to go with expectation and instruction, understanding that expectation and instruction will be there for us, which will lead to joy. Look what happens. He says, you will have great joy and gladness. First of all, I'm going to stop there. If you will simply come and worship and expect God to come and speak to you with an expectant heart for some instruction for your life, you're going to be filled with joy and gladness. You see, God wants to talk to you this morning. God has some instruction for your life. God has some teaching he wants to give you. God wants to speak to the need of your heart. But so many times we walk in not expecting God to speak to us. And what he says here this morning is this. He says, look, I've got something for you. You see, he said, you will have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of God. You see, God sent a message to Zechariah to share with him, to, to, to let him know that here's some amazing news for you today. And he was speaking to Zechariah's need. What was Zechariah's need? You remember? Him and his wife hadn't had a child. He said, the Lord has heard your prayers. How many of you have been praying for something in your life and God hasn't answered? We can be honest. I've, I've prayed some prayers. And God still is not coming through with an answer yet. Zachariah was an old dude. His wife was an old dudette. And, and they were well beyond childbearing years. And, and, and the angel comes and says, hey, I've got some great news for you. You're going to have a kid. And Zechariah's like, yeah, you're a little late. A little late, dude. And, and the angel said, no, 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 I've got some instructions for you. I have a message for you today. What have you been praying for? Maybe God has a word for you today and an answer for your question for that you've been praying about. He was about to have a son, and he was to call him John, and he was to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. What important message from God are we missing? Because we have not, and we will not expect God to answer us. Zechariah was not planning on God answering. He had prayed so long, he had even forgotten. He quit praying for it. What have you quit praying for? What is it that you have stopped asking God for that you have desired an answer for? God says, keep praying. His word is very clear to us that God has an answer for our prayers. And God's word for you isn't dependent upon what songs are sung here on Sunday morning, what word is preached. It's dependent on your expectations from God. Zechariah had quit expecting God to work in his life. Have you quit expecting God to work in your life? Have you? Zechariah had. He'd given up. 
That's why I was so shocked when he was in the temple. You see, joy comes when, you, when I'm going into the presence of God and he is about to speak to my heart. God wants to speak to your heart this morning. And when he speaks to us, if we don't respond in faith, that will destroy joy's opportunity for our heart. You see, the reason why Zechariah didn't have joy was because he, he lacked the faith. Look what happened in verse 18. He says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in the years. Isn't it funny? God hadn't spoken to the people of Israel in 400 years, and all of a sudden, he's in the sanctuary on the day that he's supposed to serve, and an angel just shows up and starts talking to him. And the first thing he does is doubt what he says. When God speaks to you, when you hear a word from the Lord, you need to respond in faith. Write this down. Or, or don't. I don't. It's up to you. It's not in your outline. Why did Zechariah doubt? He's an old dude, right? He's, his wife was past menopause. In the history of the world, there's never been a woman who's been able to get pregnant apart after menopause, apart from God's intervention. Now, I do know that scientists are working on, they're doing some crazy scientific experiment stuff right now. I, I get all that. I, I'm up on current science. But naturally speaking, this had to be supernatural. And Zechariah went immediately. He went immediately to his problem rather than to the one who could solve the problem. Never let your limitations limit what God wants to do through you. You hear that? Never let your limitations Limit what God wants to do through you. Never, never let your limitations limit what God wants to do through you. Because if it depends on you, it's not from you. You get that? Of course you have limitations. Of course you've got weaknesses. Of course Zachariah and Elizabeth were well beyond childbearing years. That's the kind of people God wants to use to do his great work. And when God taps you on the shoulder and says, I want to do this work through you because and in spite of your weaknesses... You are to be joyful. You are to be excited. You are to stop talking about, well, you know, we make excuses. How many of you this morning are sitting here making excuses for not doing what God has said is true for your life? Because of his doubt, Zechariah lost his joy. 
And some of you today have lost your joy because you have allowed your limitations to dictate what God wants to do in your life. When you say no to God, when you start making excuses, your joy automatically disappears because you're saying, God, you don't have the power to overcome what's in my life. And when you don't have that hope, what are you? You're in despair and you're fearful. Is your lack of joy robbing you of the opportunity to share your hope? Verse 20, but now since they didn't believe what I, now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Man, here's something you need to understand. God's not going to let your doubt stop his work. He's not going to let your doubt keep, you, keep him from accomplishing his plan. And so, Zechariah, here, buddy, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to shut your mouth, and you're not going to be able to say a word to anybody because you doubted me. That's what happens too many times in our life. Our doubts keep us from sharing our hope. And we don't have joy because we doubt and we have a lack of faith and we just don't trust what God's doing in our life. Folks, I'll be honest with you. I, man, last two years, that has been one of my biggest challenges. As your pastor and Pastor John and I talk about this almost every week, at breakfast. I just sometimes look at what's going on in my life, my inability to be here all the time because he and I both are working full-time jobs and we are unable to, to meet all the, we feel like, I mean, I'm putting this on us, okay? We feel like we're unable to meet the needs of everybody in the church. We're unable to, to, to lead the church as best we can because we just can't be here because we just can't be involved in everybody's life because we've got to work outside the church. And so every, every Monday or Tuesday, we come together and we go, man, there's so much that needs to be done, but we're not able to do it. And so I live with that, that, that frustration. And God says to me over and over and over again, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on me. Folks, I want to tell you, God's wanting to do a work through your life. And you've got limitations, you've got challenges, you've got problems. And you're letting your limitations dictate what God does through you. But I want to tell you, God says, no, that's got to change in your life today. So Zechariah goes home and he's literally speechless. Speechless. That means without speech. Right? Okay, you got that? And what happens when a husband goes away out of town for a couple of weeks? Well, he gets reacquainted with his wife, right? He couldn't tell Elizabeth what's going on. She wouldn't believe him if he could write it all down anyway. He's home. They're getting back together. They're moving on. 
And what happens? Let's take a look. Verse 24 and 25. So afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant when in seclusion for months. Elizabeth became pregnant. Elizabeth overcame her limitation. And Elizabeth responded with joy. You see, joy comes from acknowledging God's goodness. Look what she says. She says, how kind the Lord is. She exclaimed. How kind the Lord is. How good is our God. When God did what he had promised in Elizabeth's life, she didn't doubt, she praised God. She didn't sit there and go, Zach, you're crazy. I don't know if he was able to explain it to her. I don't know if he was able to talk about it. The scripture doesn't really tell us that. I would imagine he tried to explain it, but then he probably was like, I don't know. And, and he just was, and, and then it, it happened. Elizabeth became pregnant in her old age. And the first thing she did was praise God. When God visits you, when God does a miracle in your life, you need to praise him. No matter your circumstances, there's always a reason to praise God's goodness in your life. I don't know what's going on in many of your lives. You know, it's a lot of things we don't share. I don't, we don't, I mean, we just don't have that time. We don't have that ability. But a lot of you have been through some very difficult, challenging times. And maybe this Christmas it finds you that, that you're really stuck in a hard place. And you're wondering what God, what is God going to do in me and through me and through this circumstance? I want to tell you, if you will acknowledge the goodness of God, you will experience the grace of God. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how hard and how difficult things are, one of the things that, that one of my wife, my wife's greatest attributes is, is she's always telling me, remind me how good God is to us. You need somebody in your life that will remind you of that. That God is good, and you need to acknowledge that. He's given you breath. He's given you life. He's given you uh, friends and family, a church. He's let you be born in a country that is the wealthiest that has ever been. The poorest of the poor here in America are the richest of the world. So when people start telling me, oh, I'm poor and I'm broke, no, you're not. You may not have as much as somebody else, but you have plenty. No matter your circumstances, there's always a reason to praise God. But so many times we have this, 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 this attitude called entitlement. We just expect God to do certain things in our life. We just expect our community to do certain things. We just expect our spouse to do certain things. And we just have these expectations. And, and a lot of times the reason why we don't experience the goodness of God or we can't express it is because we have this entitled mentality that just really resonates throughout our whole country right now. 
Folks, God has been good to you. Whatever is going on in your life, you need to understand that you have been blessed. And Elizabeth, in her old age, acknowledged the goodness of God. And God is wanting to do a work in you this Christmas. He is wanting to rebirth joy in your life so that you will see the goodness of God. But you have got to, you have got to understand that joy comes through acknowledging God's goodness. You see, when we fail to see God's goodness, our lives become characterized by ungratefulness. Man, there's not a nastier attitude in the world than an ungrateful heart. It is one that we constantly try to, try to drill into our kids' lives that we have to be grateful. But an ungrateful heart, a lot of times, will lead to a bitter heart. And bitterness is the fruit of failing to see God's goodness. And this morning, if you're someone who is angry and frustrated that you think your circumstances are so unique that God hasn't come through for you, then you're failing to see the goodness of God in your life, and you have become bitter because you have failed to see God's goodness. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that God causes everything, circle everything, and causes God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything that is in your life today that is not what you would consider good, you need to thank God for. Because God has allowed it to come into your life to work a good work in you. Maybe it's a bad marriage. Maybe it's children who have rebelled and gone against God's desire. Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe it's underemployment. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's frustration. I want you to take this opportunity to thank God for it. You know, that, that's one of the things that, that I have been failing to do in my own life. Man, I tell you, I gripe a lot about driving. And you just ask my wife. I mean, I'm just like, dang, I drive all the day, you know. When you, and, and hey, praise God, tomorrow's my last day I have to go to Fort Lauderdale. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But I, I, I still have to go to Vero Beach every day, which is, which is not bad. But if, if you're Steve, you're, 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 a, you're a truck driver and you're all over the country. So that, that's a challenge. And so, but, but sometimes I just, I, I get so this, mm, I get tired of this. I get tired of my circumstance. And what God has been reminding me is that this circumstance is doing a work in me that only can happen as a result of where I am at right now. You hear that? God has you in a circumstance right now because he is trying to do a work in you that can only be accomplished through your current circumstances. And I don't know what that is for you. And sometimes I've asked that question to myself. I said, God, what are you trying to do for me? What are you trying to do in me? Instead of becoming mad, because that's what some people do. We get mad and we get bitter when our circumstances aren't what we think they should be. 
And what God wants you to understand is that he's causing all that right now to work together for your good. So what are you going through right now that you don't like? What are you experiencing right now that you just say, this sucks? God says, I'm using that very thing to change who you are. So, you got one or two choices. <laughs> you can whine about it, which I'm, I'm really good at doing. I'm a professional whiner. I mean, uh, unfortunately, that's, that's one of the things in the flesh I'm good at. Or, you can learn from it. The school of hard knocks is a tough teacher, isn't it? It really is. My dad always said, and I, I don't know if this was a curse he put on me or just a realization of who I was. He said, boy, you don't ever learn anything easy, do you? You're hard-headed. Anybody else hard-headed in here? Yeah. Tracy's shaking her head. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm real easy. Whatever. No, but some lessons are only learned the hard way, right? And if you allow bitterness to take root in your heart, it's because you have failed to see God's goodness. God is good right where you're at right now. God is good right where you're at right now. And until you see that, and until you believe that, and until you embrace that, it's not going to change. I've told you this many times. We have a saying in my house. When God's trying to teach us a lesson and we don't learn it, guess what we get to do? We get to go around the block again until we learn it. I hate those round trips, don't you? I, I do. I want to learn these things. So we've got to learn them. And then Elizabeth acknowledged the goodness of God. And the reason, another reason she was able to, to have joy was because she had no more shame. Look at verse 25. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Now, we know that there are a lot of people today in our day and time who have no children, and, and that's, that's not unusual, Right? But in those days, to have no children, and particularly not to have a son, was a disgrace. Especially for the woman. Elizabeth's whole life had been defined by her inability to bear children. In that day and time, your whole worth was wrapped up in your ability to give birth, ladies. Ooh, that's a tough thing, right? And a lot of people take that for granted. But for her, it was a disgrace. Whenever anybody saw her, they were there going, that's Elizabeth, she's barren. God must really not like her. Because the Jewish customs and beliefs of the day were that if you didn't have offspring, if you didn't have children, it was the result of God not being pleased with you and that you were sinful in some way. 
which was simply not the case. And of course, as you're aware, you know, she'd gone through menopause. She thought she was past her opportunity of, of usefulness. But you know what God is about doing? He's about removing our shame. What has defined you your whole life? What is defining you right now that is bringing you shame? What is it that people look at you and when they see you, they see this, that, or the other? Some of you today, you may see yourself as a failure. You may see yourself as, as a divorcee. You may see yourself as someone who, is, who has failed at a job failed at marriage, failed at, uh, at raising kids. I mean, you may see yourself in a light that, that is totally contrary to what God wants you to see. You see, because God is in the business of removing your shame. And what has defined your life up to this point? What label have you been wearing that brings you shame? Maybe you're an adulterer. Maybe you're a fornicator. Maybe you've had children out of wedlock. And, you, and that has defined your life. It has defined your family circumstances. And I'm here to tell you that God says, I want to remove your shame. You see, God's work is in you. God's work in you takes away your shame. Paul says this in Romans 10, 11, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Do you believe in Jesus today? Have you given your life to him? Because the moment you transfer trusting in yourself for your life, your future, and your eternal worth, the minute you transfer that to God, then he will take away whatever shame has defined you. Now, some of you have reclaimed the mantle. God has gotten rid of it for you, but what did you do? You picked it back up, or you're still living with that in your life. I want you to understand something this morning. You don't have to pick it up anymore. You don't have to pick it up anymore. You can get your joy back. Zachariah got his joy back. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when, he, when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. Verse 30, 58. 59, he says this. And when the baby was eight days old, they all came to, uh, for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again and began to praise God. 
You see, Re Zechariah regained his voice when he trusted and obeyed God's word. You want your joy back? God has been speaking some truth into your life for many years now, some of you. Some of you, it's been recent. You've been doubting. You haven't expected God to do these things in your life. But he has been working your life, and you've been doubting, and you've been saying, no, 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 God, I can't do that. I can't, I can't be that kind of person you're calling me to be. And he says, yes, you can, and your, jo your joy has been removed, and you have not been excited about your faith. But just like Zechariah, the minute you begin to trust and obey God's word, I want to tell you, your joy will be complete, as we saw in John 15 11. That's what God wants to do for you this morning. Now, I want to ask you, are you willing to obey God? Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to step out and believe what he has to say about you? Not your past, shame, not the things that people define you by, but what Jesus defines you as. This morning, you can expect joy if you obey God and follow his word. It happened for Zechariah and Elizabeth. It can happen for you. And I pray this Christmas season you would experience real joy. That you would embrace what God is doing in your current circumstance, even if you don't like it. Embrace it and ask God to work through it so that you can have joy again. Because remember, the greatest detriment of the church today is joyless Christians. And God has called us to be people of joy. Not people who are frumpy, down, frustrated. We need to be the most joyful people over the next 25 days. Or 23. What is it? 22. All right? This is how you do it. Next week, I want to tell you, it's going to be an amazing message. Not because I'm preaching it but because God's already been working on me in it. And I want to tell you, if you are excited or want to be excited about being joyful, then next week we're going to show you how to be so cheerful in your life. You, it'll be amazing what God wants to do in you. So I want to encourage you to be back. But today, expect joy. Would you pray with me?